0: Is that um, is that like fetch? Like is that no.
1: That's just coming back. I'm bringing fetch back no. by the way. No. If nobody
0: happening. if nobody gets that reference, at least one person did because I <laughs> I, I watched I'll admit it. I watched Mean Girls and I
1: boy. I've watched it multiple times. It's a fantastic movie. <laughs> Are we trying to pretend like it's not a good movie? No, <laughs> no, nope, nope, absolutely not. I'm owning it. Uh-oh. It's the it's it's we're getting close to oh, like yeah, the midnight balance. where we uh, Yeah, oh. Alan's losing it. But <laughs> two
2: other things
0: The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. While many of the people here have some form of mental health training, they are not your mental health professional. This podcast is not a replacement for mental or physical care or for the diagnosis of any mental health illnesses or condition. Hello, and thank you again for joining us once again for the Guardians Mental Health Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joe. With me tonight is Matt. Hi. And Alan.
1: Hello. If
0: you're joining us for the first time, Guardians Mental Health is a 501c3 nonprofit focused on promoting mental health awareness throughout the gaming community. We strive to be a first step assisting individuals with gathering meaningful resources in a safe and inclusive atmosphere. Our podcast is another way to normalize talking about mental health, and is a fusion of mental health topics and gaming. So, thank you, and please welcome our guest tonight, Dr. Megan okay. Connell. Connell. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on with us in such short notice and everything. I'm really excited to have you on. You've been a pillar throughout the gaming community for so many years. One of the pillars out there doing such amazing things with people every day. Absolutely amazing. So I'm really ecstatic to have you on with
1: us tonight.
3: I'm super Uh, excited to be here and talking to you all. So this is great. I mean...
1: (laughs) I mean I'm just super excited to talk D D. Like, let's just be yeah. honest here. Okay, yeah, we'll get into that. I know we
0: were already rolling into that before we started recording. That is a really fun uh that's gonna be a really fun uh topic tonight. Oh, looks well, like I'm trying to say
3: unmute Joe. Joe.
1: <laughs> Hashtag unmute Joe.
3: <laughs> but I am unmuted.
1: That's um, that our, we, we got the title of the episode. <laughs>
0: You know what? The great thing is nobody else heard me butcher the uh, disclaimer. So it was only you guys.
1: Lucky you. Wow. <laughs> and I, ha- I got to say ten, t- uh, 10 is really making fun of you right now by calling you an old man. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs>
0: I, I do have a lot of gray. No, but okay. uh, for the people that You're might not up. know who you are, Doc, could you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and uh, what you yeah.
3: do? So I'm Dr. Megan Connell. I'm a board-certified psychologist in private practice. I physically work out of Charlotte, North Carolina, but I am virtually practicing in North Carolina, Virginia, Washington. I have an emergency license in New Hampshire right now, uh, and I'm hopefully going to be uh, licensed with the PSYPACT soon once I can figure out some stuff with that, uh, which will let me practice virtually in a bunch of other states too. I am a certified geek therapist. I'm the uh, one of the creators of the uh, therapeutic GM training through Leyline Geek Therapeutics, I am the co-founder of Geeks Like Us, a community-based uh, entertainment's. Um or media company, where I am the dungeon master for Clinical Role, a live play D game where all of my players are other psychologists and therapeutic dungeon masters. I have also run a YouTube series on there called Psychology at the Table that I'm hoping to get up and running again if I can find time to record and edit videos uh, where I talk about <laughs> how game masters can be more accommodating at their tables for people who have struggles with anxiety and depression and things like that. Uh, I also am the host of a podcast called Brain Noodles where myself and some other psychologists sit around. To talk about the things that are noodling in our brains and our deep thoughts on really important matters that you know impact this world, like office supplies um, and our love of buying sticky office supplies. I can Uh, relate with that. Yeah, yeah, it's really we we talk really deep stuff. No, we we do talk about deep stuff too. But some of my most favorite episodes have been us talking about planners and how we buy planners and then don't use them, um, and what the psychology behind that is.
1: I'm not alone. Oh my god, that makes no. me feel so much better.
3: No, you're not alone. You're not alone. I, I actually oh. have a planner now that I love because it has reusable pages. It's up. You can erase the pages with water and then start again. So that's fantastic. Like you're oh
1: man. <laughs> so I, I know we're getting sidetracked, and that's re- always what oh, I,
3: that's I will always get us what so I do. Sidetracked. are um,
0: you're, sh- you're in good company then. Because <laughs> yes,
1: we live to sidetrack. I At saw the- this like like key, like keyboard-sized whiteboard that you can put in front of your keyboard that you could use as sticky notes and just erase as needed. It was oh, like 50 nice. bucks, and I think I'm going to pull the trigger, and I think I'm just going to get it. Yeah, because that's all I do. My, my whole life is I take a sticky note right in and just put it on my keyboard. Well, what about oh the
2: notepad that you can scan into your phone? You haven't seen that?
3: Yeah, that's what that's what this uh, planner is. Yeah. Uh, Rocket book.
2: <sighs> yep. <gasps> it has That's- a little has a little QR code on the yep. on the I corner
1: i just bought a stream deck i can't i can <laughs> <laughs> i need a um, sticky note hold on yeah <laughs> i well, apologize I just, dr cannell
3: No, the fun one <laughs> and then the last thing i do is i'm a therapeutic dungeon master i run therapeutic and social skills based uh games where i use d d as a therapeutic tool or as a skill building tool to help uh different kiddos my groups are all for women and girls um been trying for a number of years to get a veterans group up and running but that there's just logistical challenges um it's much easier to schedule games for people who are in school than people who are out of school and adult doing adult things. As anybody who runs D and D games knows the yep. real big, bad evil guy of any campaign <laughs> is this schedule.
0: It's yeah. the schedule. Alan's one of the uh, game masters for another nonprofit, uh, Betty's bombers. Yeah. So he, wor- he does a lot of dungeon D and D games with uh, veterans over there.
3: Oh, that's awesome.
0: Well, we haven't,
2: we haven't actually started yet because of scheduling. 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 <laughs> See, it's such a big problem.
3: It's, it's the it, worst. It's, yeah. It, it's really, really hard. And that's that's uh, one of the big issues I'm running into with yeah. that. Yeah. Because I am oh, so such an awesome. I'm a veteran. I served uh, seven year, years active duty to th- two to three years uh, in the reserves. Uh, a psychologist in the army deployed to Iraq. So I got, got to do all that fun stuff, too. Yeah. I've done a few things in my life. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So when, when you say finding the time to edit YouTube videos, yeah, no, I, I don't see how you have time to like eat. Like what what happens? Yeah. I also
3: have kids. <laughs> so who have been I, doing, you know, at home learning for the bulk of this year. They just returned uh, to school four days a week though. So
1: Ooh, ours <laughs> starts April
0: sixteenth.
1: Nice. Going back
0: uh full full in school. How
3: did
1: how did upstate New York go later than NYC? We've been a
0: hot zone forever. Like my area, our our county, essentially has been in like the yellow for since the beginning, and it was wow. red right along with New York. And ours goes back April sixteenth. So nice, go figure.
1: It. Yeah, New York
0: <laughs> City went back
1: earlier, which is interesting. Anyway, what you hmm. saying? You're better than us in upstate? Is that what you're saying? No, our air is cleaner. No, I have I have no children, but we it's i don't but all of my clients are are adolescents and children and it's uh, not all of them are okay with it let's put it that way it's a hard <laughs> adjustment it really
0: is yes. and i yeah. um my daughter my 12 year old is not she's not looking forward to it um the kids that are doing full remote learning can continue that for the rest of the year if they choose mm-hmm. uh she is a hybrid So she does go every other day, Um, but going full class, you know, in school is you can already see the anxiety that it's kind of giving her and she's adjusted to this hybrid learning so much that uh, she's really not looking forward to it. So I I really feel bad for all the kids that
3: I I think we're going to see a really big spike in um, social anxiety type. Yeah problems Absolutely. this fall when um schools re you know hopefully everything goes well and but and yeah. we're able to open schools but yeah I think there's going to be there's going to be some challenges this fall.
0: So, yeah, I uh last week I had I volunteer for crisis text line as well as one of their crisis counselors and 16 of the texters that I talked to were all about that topic right there, mm-hmm. all very anxious about returning to full school, a lot of social anxiety, and you can already see it hitting. So, yeah, yeah. it's going to be a
1: thing. It's been the theme of my my sessions for, honestly, for the past month because it's been the lead in. Too. I think we sort of knew by like the beginning of March that we were going back in uh, this week, actually, we started. So a lot of my sessions, it's been just that lead in how to really now adjust again. It's We, we adjusted mm-hmm. so fully to a life of, you know, staying indoors, doing everything virtual, doing this, doing Zoom just for social yeah. interactions. And now you're being thrown right back in to a situation that you wanted. Initially, I think a lot of people were hungry for that social interaction, but now it's wait, can I manage that social interaction again? How do I manage it? What do I do? How do I go back into? What the hell does the lunch table look like? That's been a question for weeks now, (laughs) Um, and it's it's definitely showing. I think you're right. I think come fall, once the new semester, uh, the new school year starts, there's going to be a lot of it. Unfortunately,
3: it really is. To everybody yes. out there who's a mental health provider and helping kiddos out and to all the teachers, especially, oh my God, thank you. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's mm-hmm. been hard and it's going to be hard. And that's why like Very much so. we do this stuff and we try to help and provide more information and do all, all of this, these things. <laughs>
1: yeah and you, you know what too this this sort of brings us i mean directly into exactly yeah. what we were what what we're looking to talk about and you you touched upon it uh briefly dr Cannell, but you run currently these d d therapeutic groups mm-hmm. what, if if i can just sort of ask what? Yeah topics do you tend to or how do you meld and this is something that i'm actually learning being a part of that dnd uh yes. <laughs> training through through leyline and geek therapeutics so i'll be learning this anyway but for everybody else please tell like how do you intertwine sort of like the therapeutic process and the therapeutic skills into a game of dnd how do you sorcery like how do you become it, a sorcerer yeah it that? is
3: it's a lot uh so uh Dr. Boca and myself, we developed a six-hour training that was sort of our first training, in, continuing ed training on the applied use of role-playing games. And one of the things we postulate in that training is that it's this trifecta of you have to be a really experienced therapist. Uh, you have to have a willingness to play and essentially to play and be vulnerable, right? And then you have to have a mastery of the gaming system that you're using, Um So when I talk about uh, therapeutic tabletop role-playing games, I'm typically talking about Dungeons & Dragons. As you can see behind me, I have a very big bookcase full of D&D books. And I do have a bookcase over here filled with other systems. I'm not poo-pooing any of these systems. They're all phenomenal systems. I just don't know them very well. And Mm. so I know D&D and I know the rules off the top of my head. And I don't have to think about how to run this game, I would have to think about how to run these games, so I don't use these games. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the biggest thing is that we want to be not thinking about the rules of the game that we're playing so that we can utilize it as a tool. My. Before I became a psychologist, I was thinking I was going to become a music therapist. And so I actually went to Berklee College of Music, which is a big time jazz school on the East Coast. Mm, Yeah, Um, absolutely. Phenomenal school, loved it. Great, great education. But one of the big things that I found so surprising was in order to learn jazz improv, we had to become experts in music theory. And you had really, they were... Basically, the teachers would be like, "Don't really try to do too many, too much with jazz soloing until you've gotten through music theory four, uh, which is through your first two full years of college." And it's because what it is is in jazz, you break rules with a purpose. Oftentimes in jazz, you are not doing what the ear expects. You are breaking the rules of harmony, like you're doing all kinds of things, but you understand that that's what you're doing, and you know why you're doing it that way. Mm. Because if you're just kind of messing around and throwing notes in there that don't really make sense, it's not a very well thought out solo. And so when you're playing, you want to understand how to bend and to break the rules with purpose. But in order to mm. do that, you need to know the rules really, really, really well. And so that's something that's really important with all of this. And so that that's a big part of how we utilize D and D or any tabletop role playing game. It's you have to know those rules. You got to be willing to play. Because if you're asking the people that you're going to be with to play and to make themselves vulnerable and you're not willing to do that, it's not going to work. And then you have to have this expertise that we have in being a mental health professional, of having the training of things to look out for, how to steer conversations, what to do, and all that. When you get those things blended together, that's where you can really have that moment of therapy in play and to utilize those skills very well.
1: Now. I am so excited to be able to do that one day. You know, a part of the reason why I wanted to, I wanted to take this course was to do exactly that. Right? I have, I at least think I am very confident in my therapeutic skills. I I have run groups uh, for almost my whole career. Actually, working in substance abuse for those who know substance abuse and group therapy go hand in hand. Yep. Um, so. Doing that, but it was, I think, the mastery in d that I am grateful I'm sort of getting from this course now. I can play, I can be a, a, a DM, I can run one shots, but I don't think I have the mastery level of it yet. And obviously it goes beyond the training too. There's going to be a lot of work I have to do on my end, but I am just super excited that I have this jumping off pad, so to speak, to be able to do this.
3: Yeah, the, this uh, big time plug for the training that we've developed with uh, Leyland Geek Therapeutics, because yes. it it was one of those things when I was making it, there was a lot a lot of different like, okay, this is stressful. But then when it all came together at the end, I'm looking at this going, good God, I wish I had this when I started my groups, because I didn't know yeah. what I was doing. It was a humongous risk. And like uh, I uh, did the ethics training for this. Um, and uh, one of my... Favorite book series for psychologists out there is called Ethics in Plain English. <laughs> it just breaks down the ethics code. And one of the, the points in the ethics is like when you're, you know, please do cutting edge edge interventions and research, but understand the cut that sword cuts both ways. Mm-hmm. And so there's risk with when you are trying something new. And so there was a lot of you know risk with this and a lot of stumbling and learning as I went. And so um My hope is to be able to import, you know, I feel the need to put air quotes around wisdom, Um, basically like learning from mistakes and like going, okay, this is what I did that didn't work. Please don't do that. Do these things that work much better. Um, And to give this training to and seeing so many people wanting to go through it. It's so amazing.
1: Yeah. And so many different people as well, too, yeah. different professions. I'm a social worker. I'm an LMSW, hopefully getting my C in May. I'm studying and praying. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but so many different pre- uh, professions and so many different people. Like my cohort, I'm biased, but I love my cohort. They're amazing. <laughs> but I'm biased because I haven't yeah. really met any of the cohorts. But hey. um, and it's just it's a vast amount of, of different people coming from different backgrounds, whether it's an expertise in tabletop RPGs with a background in mental health or the other way around. Someone who's just a mental health professional who literally came in and said, you know what? My clients have been talking about this. I need to educate myself on this. And to me, that was amazing when I heard that, because I don't know if I in the past would have done that. But now, yeah. like, it's. Now that this is available, so to speak, like absolutely, I would dive in. And I'm also getting credit for a class and playing D D at the same time. Like yeah. I can't go wrong. That's a <laughs> yeah. It's a bonus. Yeah, right.
3: Yeah, credit for <laughs> playing D D and doing all this stuff. Yeah, like the the trading is absolutely wonderful. Like we've got over, I think it's around 18 hours or over 18 hours of instruction that you do. And then every week, uh, as you're going through with your cohort, you're playing too. You play for two hours a week with a professional DM and you get that chance of learning to take a risk with your cohort and getting to play with others. Because like it, when I was doing the lit review for the first, um, First round of trainings for this, this there's this one study that I found that talked about alibis in play and the challenges mm. that adults have in playing. And I feel like that one for me has been like the biggest touchstone as to why this has been such a difficult sell is our culture believes that play is a thing of children. And adults who play mm. cannot be taken seriously because they are a threat to what we understand as being a grown-up and being an adult and so highly educated adults who play are even bigger threats because they're supposed to be even more stuffy and serious because not only are they adults they are highly educated up uh, you know intellectually is superior and so this not superior saying sorry by society standards to be clear right
1: yeah <laughs> yeah like, no absolutely
3: but that idea of like but you're a doctor and you play you know you're a yeah. board certified therapist who uses games And you actually play with your clients? Like, that's what what is that? Um, You know, I I had another professional reach out to me and asking about it. And I was recommending to go and get the training. And I got a response like, no, 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 no. I don't actually plan on playing. Like, "Eh, no, no, it's not going to work. If you, you know, like if you're not getting in there and doing the silly voices for the NPCs and taking that risk, like why, how are any of your clients going to take a risk around that table?
1: Right. You have to model being able to sort of take taking that risk, Mm -hmm. you know, another large portion I feel in therapy is modeling. So if you're being able to model that you're willing to dive into this adventure with them, obviously, it's going to increase the therapeutic rapport. It's going to increase that alliance that somebody has. And I don't know, I love using humor in therapy as well, too, when appropriate, of course. Um, but, you know, and being able to make funny voices and being able to do that, especially for a group uh, a group of, of teenagers or even adults, like it sort of takes like the edge off of, oh, my God, this is therapy. Oh, my yes. God, I'm opening myself up and diving into all of my issues to where, wait a minute, I can do this, but also play a game at the same time. Yeah, It's amazing.
3: Well, Matthew, what you're hitting on there, I think are two really powerful things because uh, anybody who's a therapist knows like one of the biggest problems that, you know, like you can sit down with a client and usually once you're pretty experienced within a session or two, you kind of know like, okay, this is the big thing this person needs to work on. And it's not a thing of like, you can't can't be like, well, you have abandonment issues and you just, you know, we need to, (laughs) you need to learn to trust people and then your life's going to be a lot better. It's like you say that and it's like immediately you're hit with this defensive wall, right? Because Mm -hmm. like our central issues are behind layers and layers and layers of defenses, right? And what I have seen so far, and I'm sure there's other things out there, but gaming and comedy are two ways to get underneath those defensive walls and get to that heart of that issue. Like
1: mm-hmm. um,
3: anybody's ever heard me on a podcast before like I, the question I get a lot is like how did I get into this? And like for me it was this aha moment where I was reflecting on two characters I had played in two different campaigns because I was doing the psychologist thing of like, analyzing my characters because why not? Mm. That's what you do while you're cleaning your house, right? And <laughs> I, I recognized what they had in common you know that like sinking feeling when you have that big realization of something important. Um, mm-hmm. I had that and I was like, Oh my God, this is my central thing that I need to work on. And wow, that would have taken years to come out in therapy. And here it was in a few weeks of playing D D characters that I got to this. And so that was something incredibly powerful to connect with. Um, but then with comedy, it's like we when we're laughing, it's like all of a sudden we're looking at this and be like, oh my God, I do do that um I, I uh, um but I gotta give a shout out to one of my favorite stand-up comedians, uh, Christopher Titus. he's
0: yes he's, oh, oh, he's awesome. I haven't heard his name he's amazing so long.
3: he's crazy well. one of the things with him that i like is like you can tell like any therapist listening to him can hear the therapy speak in his routines because (laughs) this guy's been through a lot of his life has not been easy Mm
1: -hmm.
3: and that but how he's coped has been his comedy and you can hear a lot of the stuff that he's worked through in his comedy come out and it you know you sit there and you listen to it and you're like yeah yeah that's the these are Mm -hmm. the this is something and like you can be laughing and go oh, I do that too, (laughs) right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I So one of the greatest breakthroughs that I've had for me was while playing Dungeons & Dragons. You know, COVID just hit and everybody, we went to remote playing Dungeons & Dragons. And I'll never forget, there was like this very frustrating moment for my character. And I went... Uh, My character just had a monologue where I'm just almost screaming into the microphone. And I'll never forget my DM, uh, actually a good friend of ours. He supports a lot of what Guardians does. Uh, His name is Sai. Um, He (laughs) messaged me. He was like, I'm just checking in. Everything okay. And I was like, no, I used your game to just work through everything right now. I am actually so much better. It is great. (laughs) And, But again, D&D allows you to embody a totally different character, but still work on things that are going on with you. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, the the power of, you know, tabletop RPGs, but I think just games in in general that they can have is is amazing especially role-playing oh Mm -hmm.
3: completely yeah i I actually did a talk on that at um game Hole con which one of my favorite Mm. conventions for when conventions hat can happen again safely um i know it where i talked about like what we learn about ourselves through character creation and i i put this question to the audience and i just loved watching everybody's expression in the audience which was imagine a party that's made up of nothing but your past characters
2: right Ooh, that's a small party
3: <laughs> right but like as you start thinking about it you're like oh 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 this oh. this is yeah and it's like oh. yeah there's the there's your stuff right as yeah. soon as you look at that and go what and you can start imagining the problems it's like hey that's all yours that's your stuff in, in these characters and it, it's coming it's up, up in them
1: yeah wow. absolutely absolutely one of the things um and I am just pulling up. I'm cheating because Tony sent us um, all the weeks for yeah. what we're going, what we're going to be learning. Um, I'm excited for a couple of things. Um, obviously, how to use Roll Twenty better, given that it's mm-hmm. just one of the better websites that are out there, that and Foundry. But being able to utilize Roll Twenty successfully. The other thing, again, therapeutic encounters. Yes. That's sort of what I'm really looking forward to, like how to create and I, it, it, is it an encounter in the sense of the way that I'm thinking it, where it's like an actual like battle that type of encounter, it can or be a is it more like a role playing?
3: A uh, both, encounter? it completely okay. both. Like, it, and it's been an interesting thing. I th- I'm trying to remember where I have talked about. I think it was in the trainings that i did for Leyland where I discussed this. Like when I early in my days of being a therapeutic dungeon master, I. I also, my name is Dr. Megan and I was an over planner as a GM. (laughs) Uh, I, uh, I made too many notes. I put my players on the railroad way too often and it was not as much fun as it could have been. I have learned from my mistakes though. And I have started to lean into the chaos and lean into things. (laughs) And uh, when I talk about therapeutic encounters, what I talk about is opportunities because in my early days of making lots of mistakes, don't do what I did, I would be like, OK, tonight we're going to talk about this thing and we're going to do it in this way. And I think my players got a lot out of that stuff. I think they grew a lot, but I don't think it was as much fun as it could have been. I think it was very it felt very shoehorned to them because it was like oh, it was right up
0: front fun. too. you know, yeah. instead of working into it.
3: Exactly. And so what I do now when I'm making notes is like, what opportunity do I want to give my players tonight? What am I seeing that they need to work on? What are their, um, I ask uh, each of my players to create a th- emotional goal for their character at the start of the campaign. So we go mm-hmm. through character creation. And I said, what, you know, we're going to play for, we're going to meet 10 times, play for nine weeks. Over these nine sessions, how do you want to see your character grow and develop? What do you want to see them change about themselves through this campaign? And then I try to give them opportunities to do that. Um, and so like, I put it out there. like, um, if, if I have a character who's like, I tend to be or a player who's like, my character tends to be controlling and they need to learn how to trust others. It's like, okay, cool. So maybe I'm going to give them an opportunity where they're character has to be separated from the rest of the party and trust that the party's going to do what they need to do and i might even have that player sit outside while the rest of the party does something and then swap them right mm. but i'm not going to force it right it's going to mm. seem like well, you could do it this way but i always leave it open that there's other ways to solve it and to see like are they able to lean into that and not and then we'll process that and say like okay so interesting you say that you want your character to trust people and like look here's this opportunity to trust and they didn't take it why do you think they didn't feel ready to take it tonight right and so instead Hmm. of it being a blame thing we're 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 talking about you know and i'm going what do you think that character needs to learn to trust these people more and what how can we reflect on that and so those are the things i do and like um it's been really interesting because what i've seen is the more i um Go by improv and go by what comes up and give like these little opportunities, the better the therapeutic outcome has been. Um, one of my favorite examples of this was uh, I one of my groups they were trying to stop uh, a cult of Vecna from bringing Vecna back to the prime material, and so they were trying to get the um, the cult had the eye, and the so the party was trying to get the hand and to get rid of the hand somehow. And, um, I decided to give a black dragon the hand of Vecna because that's fun.
2: Oh boy. <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh boy,
1: terrifying. <laughs> <Yeah.
3: laughs> That's terrifying, isn't it? Right.
1: And, and so the, Alan just, then Alan just like, oh my god, no, don't do that. Don't do that. No.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Please well, don't. Why wouldn't you? That's so fun, right? <laughs> uh, but so the, for those who don't know, like black dragons, their thing is uh, so every type of dragon in Dungeons and Dragons has is distinguished by its horde, like what it. What is it used for its horde? And black dragons like to corrupt good people. That is what what they want to do. And so the party was going to sneak in and try to go steal the hand from its horde and get out. And so what this, uh, the therapeutic thing was, um, all right, I want them to come up with a plan and figure out how to execute their plan. And if it goes wrong, how to step back from that and how to read. I want to see them being able to think on their feet was part of this because um, a lot of the folks in my groups t- tend to be on the spectrum. And so one of the things we see on the spectrum and also with ADHD too, is this fusion of thinking of like, once we're on the rails, that's where we're going to stay. I don't, I can't deviate from the plan. And so I was, I wanted to see how it went. And so we went by a dice roll and they all, I think one person passed their stealth check. Um, oh
2: boy. <laughs> and so the dragon saw
3: them and I'm like, okay, now they're going to run and regroup. They decided to parlay with a dragon.
2: Ooh, okay. And, Interesting.
3: Oh, it was fascinating because it built this encounter that I I was completely improving it. But it yeah. built this encounter that I had not been expecting that was so powerful to them. Because uh-huh. what ended up happening was they had different choices in front of them. But none of them were good. And, like, they were sitting there. Like, they were really, really upset because of just the the corner they had gotten themselves into and you know i one of the things i do is i put my dm screen down to signal like we're not talking game now we're talking process and i was saying to this group mm. after with the dm screen down i was going like this is life you know we, we watch all these shows and movies and things where it shows like this right decision with sunshine and rainbows and this wrong decision with lots of bad consequences like but that's not it like it's this bad choice, this bad choice, or this bad choice. And you got to choose which one. And like, this sucks. And this is what we're going to be experiencing throughout our lives. So this is, and I do you know, some dungeon masters would be mad at me for doing this, but I was also like, also you all, this is a game. Like, even if you choose something bad, I'm going to soften the blow, but not right away. There there's hope because it's a game and Mm. dang it you can have hope in the world
1: absolutely um Mm -hmm.
3: and so and like then we process some more and they came up with a decision but it it was really really powerful but like when we're talking about therapeutic encounters i didn't plan that stuff like i had Mm -hmm. a plan but again we're talking that jazz right that ability to improv and to move around and to see what was coming up and how the players were doing and then to read that room correctly and to help them process their emotions and to work on it and like I remember from that encounter specifically one of the players came up the week after because uh, this one of the bad choices that the dragon gave them was uh, their lawful good cleric could cut off their hand and get the hand of Vecna put on them. Um, and so for those who are not familiar with wow. the hand of Vecna, it is an evil thing that will corrupt. It is basically like the one ring. You can, not, you can try to cow. use it for good, but you can't.
2: Right. Um, yeah. And she,
3: the, she was just hyper focused on wanting to do that. And that the Black dragon was, of course, manipulating trying to get that to mm-hmm. happen because that's its horde, right? That here is a lawful, good cleric that I can fuse to an evil artifact that is going to overpower them. And the rest of the party was saying, no, 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 and finally intervened. And the next week, that player came up to me after and was like, "I am so grateful for that encounter. She, like, like i've I've been told I get stuck on things." but I didn't realize how stuck on a situation and like I went and I looked that stuff up after that, that probably would have killed my character. And I was like, yeah, probably would have eventually like that. And like, I, I could have done something like that in real life and had real life consequences. I was like, well, it was good that we had that here <laughs> then. Right. Um, And that's the power of this game, right. Where I, again, in therapy, we could talk about that in a general sense and process it but it doesn't i talk about knowing something so tap on your head knowing something versus tap on your heart knowing something
2: mm-hmm.
3: and so this uh, you know the, what i see in therapeutic gaming is the get it into your heart knowing of like i deeply know this and i deeply understand this thing
1: yeah yeah if you if you can just only sort of uh I'll use it this way regurgitate only what you've been told, but you can't explain it in your own words. You Mm -hmm. didn't grasp it yet. Yes. You have to be able to grasp and understand and be able to say in your own words, this sort of thing that you're learning because it just Mm -hmm. becomes a part of your own vernacular. I think that's, that's right there. Like that's just increasing, like almost that like frustration tolerance too, because there's only three decisions and none of them were good and mm-hmm. none of them, none of them were the ones they wanted to hear. Yeah. So at that point, it's like, okay, you gotta make a choice here. There's no other way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of sort of goes into radical acceptance, which we can yeah. <laughs> dive right into that too, which, you know, before we went live, I was very intrigued because a, a lot of your, a lot of your work, a lot of your, um, just research and things has been about, uh, acceptance and commitment therapy. And one of the biggest aspects of that is this radical acceptance.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It adds yeah. this phenomenal thing. So I can't, so this is more psychology stuff than just gaming stuff, but, uh, yeah, my theoretical orientation all through graduate school was existential psychology, which is hmm. heavy philosophy. Um, I mm-hmm. actually have a cousin who's a PhD in actual philo- like philosophy, philosophy, like doctor of philosophy in philosophy, and uh, he would be like, "How are he would read all the same existential type books I'm doing?" And he's like, "How do you use this to help people? This seems so depressing." I'm like, "I don't know. It just works in my brain to as a way to help people." But uh, the military is heavy CBT, and I hate mm-hmm. CBT. I'm using the word hate. They're like, good on you if you can use <laughs> CBT and me may- and more power to you it is not yeah. my not my cup of tea at all um act though i got had a two-day training uh with uh dj moran came and did a two-day training at my internship mm-hmm. and it was like this light bulb of just this perfect marriage of understanding these techniques from it from cbt that i thought were good but i felt were too shallow and then all of the deep philosophy of existential psychology and they just kind of came together and This idea, one of the big things is accepting things for what they are, seeing them for what is rather than what we want. Um, And accepting other people is such a big thing. And one of my favorite, favorite quotes from Maya Angelou is believe people, you know, when people show you who they are, believe them. And so much of our frustration and so much of the challenges we have in this world could be just not nearly as painful if we just believed people when they showed us their true colors, like um, in the military there, you know, one of the challenges in the military is you can't quit. You get assigned to a bad toxic work environment. You can't get out of it. You have Mm -hmm. to sit it out and wait.
2: And it's looked down upon so much. If you have any, any inkling of getting out of it too.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, but I, I was seeing places where, like, everybody knew that the command was awful. Yeah. And everyone hated them, but everybody just, all you could do was sit and bide your time until you ETSed out of there. And um, when I was working with these soldiers, you know, we would say, like, okay, so, you know, you're superior. How do they behave? And you know, your boss yesterday, how did, or last week, how did they behave? I was like, well, they were an asshole. Okay. Yesterday, how did they behave? They were an asshole. All right. So today, when you needed them to sign your leave form and be a nice person, we were expecting them to be a nice person suddenly. When all the experience we have in the past is what? That they're an asshole. I was like, so when you go to bring them your leave form, how can you expect them to behave? And I'm like, Like an asshole. (laughs) And it's that idea of like, can we just accept like, that's who that person is, that those are their stripes. And we've got to learn to work with that. Because once we understand this is how this person operates, I can get frustrated at that or I can accept that and try to work with it. Um, it, It's an interesting thing, too, because I think so many people think acceptance means liking and being okay with. And it's like, no, Mm -mm. no, 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 no. Like, I can accept the fact that the tire on my car is flat. I don't have to like it. Right. But if I don't accept that that tire is flat and I drive around on the rim, I'm going to create all kinds of other problems for myself.
1: You're turning a $500 job into a $2,000 job, basically. Exactly.
3: Exactly. (laughs) And so, like, when we can start to wrap our heads around that and just sort of accept things for what they are and try to roll with it, you know, and, like, you know, this whole past year of COVID, you know, I... It's um. Th- there's been so much where I just want to get frustrated and angry. And I think yeah. so many of us do. And, and rightfully so. Like there's been a lot to be mm-hmm. frustrated and angry about. There's also been some really freaking cool things. Like our technology has progressed to the point that our schools without missing too much of a beat. Yes. A couple of months, but really in the grand scheme of things, that's not nothing. And they flip flip to online learning yeah. I mean, all these teachers who didn't think that they would ever be able to do that or manage a kindergarten class through you know zoom calls and things suddenly are doing that and parents you know are getting to find ways to spend more time with their kids and i think you know one of my personal things for a lot of families is people are overbooked
1: mm-hmm. and suddenly
3: learning like what's what it's like to actually spend time with your family again and to be around people. Like I, I think that's been really, you know, powerful and possible. And I can only I think really see and appreciate those good things if I can accept and understand that the bad stuff is there too.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's for me at least, what I'm seeing is that first that first piece that you mentioned, that understanding uh, that acceptance doesn't mean like. Acceptance also doesn't mean forgiving, potentially, mm-hmm. as as well either. Um, it it really is just more so that lead in to really sort of like living a little bit of a healthier life in a sense, if you're able to accept, you know, accept the things that we cannot change. Yeah. Once we start, we can live by that and make changes to ourselves as we need, you know, and it's such a, it's such a powerful, but also difficult thing to grasp at the same time. You know, and yeah, we we're we're going we're going straight psychology and therapy, and 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 that's okay because the it, it, I'm looking at the chat, and it, it's it's amazing how again when it comes from the heart, and we can break it down into you know explain it in our own way, it becomes easier to understand. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really as therapists, that's what we're doing.
3: Yeah, in a yeah. sense,
1: we're taking all the technical jargon that we've learned from schools and years in schools and relaying it to the person that you know used to be in front of me on mm-hmm. a on a couch, but now, you know, on, on, the other other the screen. Screen, yeah. on the other side of the screen. On the other side of a screen, being able to teach that and to model that and to show that is is amazing. I, I mean I've had sessions just recently too where I've almost gotten and it's a little bit of counter transference and I work on it with my supervisor, but like I've almost gotten like assertive for them where I'm like, no, absolutely. You set that boundary. What do we do? You know, you need to, because this has to happen first. And once you set this boundary, this is when you can start working on things. Mm And I had a client like, wait, what? I was like, no, I'm modeling how I want, how you should be, (laughs) how I want you to try to practice this, Mm -hmm. you know, for when we meet next session. And it, it, it really is just, it, it it's an amazing amazing yeah. process.
3: And one plug I'll give for something that's totally not mine, but uh, is, um, Russ Harris's book, The Happiness Trap. Uh, yeah, if you're looking for a great, just kind of introduction to acceptance and commitment therapy, or just kind of a good general self help book that follows ACT principles, uh, Russ Harris anything by Russ Harris, honestly. But it's amazing. Uh, yeah, The Happiness Trap is probably the, the it's the most broad and that one's really great, but like he wrote uh, his rhyming scheme books of the happiness or was it the confidence gap? Uh, what's the other one? He's got another rhyming one. Oh gosh. I might've forget it now.
1: I don't know off the top of my head.
3: I don't remember, but it, it, anything by <laughs> Russ Harris is really good. Um, yeah. I recommend the confidence gap a lot to those who are feeling like dealing with imposter syndrome and, problems around that he's also got um act with love which is his couples therapy book um so yeah anything Mm by russ harris is really really good but yeah the happiness trap whenever i'm talking with clients you know one of the things i'll say is like get this book if you don't read it that's totally fine keep it on your bookshelf because i steal liberally from it you know you're going to go read through it in a few years and be like dr connell took everything from this (laughs) right yeah i do but (laughs) it's good and the thing is you know i my, it, during my intake with clients, one of the things I say is like, my job is to get you to fire me because you don't need to see me anymore. I want you mm-hmm. better, and part of that is understanding that you're going to struggle again. You're going to work on this thing, and then ten years, you know, four, four, five years, ten years, whatever down the road, you're going to have tr- trouble again. Mm-hmm. And if you have this book on your bookshelf, it's at least a reminder of the stuff that we've done, and so maybe you don't have to come back into my office, or you can. That's fine too. <laughs>
1: And I, I, I guess to sort of um, these are the things that will that I know I, I steal and I take from every sort of um, theoretical practice or therapeutic practice, I should say. I steal from CBT. I steal from DBT. I steal from ACT because I look at the person. And yeah. I think that's what's most important. Like, what is this person who's in front of me right now? What do they need? What can benefit them? Okay. Is radical acceptance something that they can process and handle right now? If yes, let's go. That's my flow sheet, so to speak. Yes. If not, where do we go? What's, yeah. what's next? Is it more so crisis management? Do we have to really just continue psychoed and, um, you know coping skills just to get back to baseline before we go anything deeper you know and I'm getting into jargon I apologize mm-hmm. but it's it, it really is just to bring it back home so to speak um, how we get there and the avenues that we use be it games be it mm-hmm. music be it um, uh, just just play in general yeah right Music and games are the two things that I've primarily used in therapy sessions. music mm-hmm. a bit more so um, so i'm I'm excited to incorporate this eventually, but again, just the avenues that we can use and be creative in our in our own selves too mm-hmm. i had a I had a supervisor once who said therapy it, it can be considered art because oh, yeah. of what we do and how creative we have to be to sort of help the person that's in front of us. Mm.
3: No, most yeah. definitely. And like to bring it back into like, you know, gaming and like how I use act with gaming, like, yeah, you know, one of the big, th- you know, a couple of few big things with act, I think one of them being turning towards the thing that scares you. And, and so that's diffusion in, in a lot of ways. So we talk about like, we have a lot of noise in our head, right? This is stuff saying you can't do this, you don't want to do this. And what we want to do is we want to kind of turn towards those voices, because all too often they sound big and scary. And so we run away from them. And we avoid the things that are making us anxious because our head's telling us that they're big and scary and we can't handle it. And so when we learn to turn towards that stuff, it's not as scary. You know, this powerful question I have my clients ask themselves a lot is when their brain's going, what if, what if, what if, we change it to what would I do if? And Mm -hmm. when we do that, we engage the problem-solving part of our brain and suddenly we realize like, oh, well, if I fail this test, or if I don't get into this school, then I can do these things and I'll be okay. And and that's a really powerful thing. And I think one of the things that helps people turn towards stuff is um, making monsters. I've actually done this with a couple of my clients where we turn their psychological struggle into a monster with stats. And we Hmm. give it a stat block and we give it a feel and we do all these things. And that helps to you know kind of envision it and to see it as something else something other you know it's part mm-hmm. of me but it's not all of me
2: something they could actually beat
3: yes yeah and i did a wonderful interview um as part of psychology at the table with um i think it was uh it was the folks at cobalt press i'm trying to remember megan and i think it was dan dylan was the other person Gosh, I should remember the people I interviewed, but it, <laughs> it, it was wonderful. But we talked about monster building and what what mm. to do to build a monster and what makes a good monster. And um, one of the things that they brought up that was really powerful was weaknesses. That when, you know, it's so often when we are thinking about like our own struggles, we just see them as this monster that is completely invulnerable. But no, really, there's vulnerabilities there. You know, yeah. like uh, depression. It tells you, you can't get out of bed. You can't see your friends. You already feel like crap. So don't go exercise. Ugh, You feel bad. So you deserve to eat this bad food because you feel bad. That's going to make you feel better somehow. And so like the, that's the strength of it is it makes this stuff sound very persuasive. So we could always think of like depression as having like a high charisma. But then when we really could flip it around, like that's also it's if we don't believe the stuff it's saying. And we start doing the opposite of what it's telling us to do. We start to feel better. Like if saying, don't get out of bed. You feel too tired. Get out of bed. If it's saying, don't go see your friends. They don't want to really see you. See your friends. Ugh, you feel like crap already. Why should you exercise? You're just going to feel worse. My argument to that is you are, if you already feel like crap, you might as well feel like crap for a reason.
1: <laughs> right. Very true.
3: And the, the more Very we true. do that, then it starts to weaken it. And so then we can kind of get that these different ideas to see how we can battle these things. Um, And and like going back to psychological encounters, we actually had an interesting one where um, I can't remember why this player did this. I think they were going to be away for two weeks. And so we decided to have their character become incapacitated. And so during those two weeks, the rest of the party had to find a way to get into this character's psyche Mm -hmm. and free them. And so I sat down with that player and we built like two or three encounters that were that character's insecurities. And so then the party had to go and help that uh, character get through their insecurities and to show that coming together and helping them out in order to get the character back into the campaign after the player came back.
1: Um, amazing and that i I should
3: say something really important here too it's like this is all done with consent
1: (laughs) yeah yes yes this is
3: done with consent if you are a dungeon master do not try to therapize your players if you do not have their consent to do so and if you are not trained to do so like you will damage your friendship you could damage your friends and you could open up boxes that you are not ready to see and they are not ready to
1: right very good point yeah, but what's and what I will add to that though I think uh, and this is what we did learn in 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 session one of um, of the D and D training through Leyline was uh, a few ways to get to talk to your DM in regards to. What are good topics? What are bad topics? What are topics to never bring up? Uh, the X card was something mm-hmm. that was taught. And yep. I'm pulling up the other thing right now, too. Uh, As the Luxton I,
3: Technique, I believe.
1: Is it? It, it? it might be. And of course.
3: Because that one's a variation on the X card. That I, I like it. Uh, the I will say the write-up for it is not very good. But the th- heart of it is good. Because um, so, for those who are unfamiliar with these different safety measures, uh, lines and veils is sort of the first one that we got. I think that was created in the eighties, where essentially we have these hard lines that that stuff does not happen in the game, and then we have veils where that stuff happens, but it happens off screen. We don't worry about that. You know, that's sort of, the one. Yep, yeah, yeah, we pan to the fireplace kind of thing, right?
1: Uh, yes.
3: Um. The X card is a little different. This is where if something is going on that we don't like in the session, we tap an X, we hold up an X card and we just immediately cut away from that and kind of yes. pretend it doesn't happen or something along those lines. The Luxton method uses the lines and veils, but also the X card in a way where you throw the, when you throw the X card, you give a little bit of an explanation. You don't need to go into full detail, but you can also use it to say something that you need. So mm-hmm. an example might be like, you throw it and you say, whatever happens, I need th- I, my character for, and for me as a player, I need this NPC to survive. I need us to save this NPC.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And so then we kind of change I things like around. Where yeah, we yeah, like, I don't, can we please change this here? This is reminding me too much of something in school, something in my past. And I don't, it's not fun. It would be better for me if it was this way. And then, and so I really like that technique because it empowers the players to shift things the way they want to. And it gives the Game Master or the Dungeon Master some clues as to what's going on and how right. they can help and not miss up.
2: Nice. But, that makes it yeah. a lot more wel- welcoming and
3: yeah, I, more I think, safe. I, I think as a player, I probably would never throw the X card just because, honestly, like that's so much pressure just to throw it. And it's like we're all jamming, we're going, and then, boop, we're suddenly just out of it.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I I I agree. I think being able to give that card and of course my mind just because of the conversations we were having I'm thinking as a therapist also to potentially like throw the X card why what are you feeling right now and what do you need to happen mm-hmm. so to speak and that also just again gives even a therapist data but again but in a dm sense it gives a dm like okay I know to avoid this for next or future sessions to, again, create an inclusive game.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And and knowing those lines, like you don't want to trigger stuff. Like um, I've got my own, you know, from being in the military, like uh, we were talking about this before we went live. Like the job of a therapist is we carry people's worst days, especially if you're a trauma therapist. I've done a lot of trauma work. It's what you do in the military. Mm -hmm. And I've carried that into my civilian career. And so my job is to take somebody's absolute worst day and I carry it for them or I carry it with them. And that that's a lot, right? And so um, you know, we are this witness and we're carrying these things, but like we don't even know sometimes where things are. Like I, I was playing a game uh with my Sunday group, which yeah, I adore my Sunday group, but something came up that brought up one of those stories that I'm carrying for somebody and I which digital games or ripped my headphones off and just threw them across the room. And I guess, cause we had not talked, you know, my fun game, like the stuff like that had never come up. We hadn't talked about safety tools, you know, and I had people mm. like, are you okay? And I'm like, ah, oh, we just hit a line. I didn't even know I had. Wow. Yeah. Um, And so it's important. It's important to have that stuff.
2: Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, I absolutely. saw, a, I saw an interesting analogy about what you were talking about, uh, how you were saying that, as therapists, you guys carry other people's stories. And the analogy was to Sam and Frodo at the end of Lord of the Rings where, you know, Sam looks at Frodo and says, well, I can't carry the ring, but I can carry you. Yes. And I, I saw that and I was like, that is a great analogy for therapists because we're not we're not taking the trauma from you. We're helping you work through it. Yep.
1: Yeah. It's uh, the way that I explain it is I'm holding on to this for right now. Until you tell me or until we both come to an agreement that that we've processed this, that we've spoken about it, that I can give this back to you in a better, healthier way. Mm
2: Yeah.
1: Right. Because you're giving me you're giving me all the bad. You're giving me every single wrong thing. And that's okay because that's my job. My job is to sort of catch that. I'm going to give it back. But you'll be able to handle it a ton Mm -hmm. better. Yes. Like a
2: vaccine versus
1: getting sick <laughs> yes absolutely. yeah absolutely absolutely although therapy sometimes might take a little bit more than two shots and you know yeah. you know Feeling three tired or, and three all or four yeah. th- three yeah. or four weeks apart so to speak
3: well uh, it,
1: your arm it, won't hurt though
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs> to get back to Touche. like the the um one of the cool things about going through for those who are interested in becoming a therapeutic GM, like the training we did with the, with the fact that we have these you know professional DMs who are leading everybody through two hours of play every week. Like they've got so many years of experience and they know the things you know, like the things you don't even know are things they know are things and they know how to use those things and what those things are and, and uh, how to avoid them. And so it's great just to be able to borrow that wisdom and to hear from that and to learn you know, learn and understand what this stuff is in a really deep way. I think it's really powerful.
1: I agree. I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just reading chat a little bit. That's why I'm like leaning. Actually, I, I looking over. I
2: got a question. Do you guys find <laughs> that if using D and D as a tool for therapy would help someone who's having trouble opening up? If they could like create a character and then have that character kind of work through a similar issue or trauma that they're having so they're not like kind of like putting up a shield and in a sense where they're looking through the shield to see you know what the character is doing and then having it affect them as well and it's it's hard for me to get it across but
3: no completely completely so uh sarah limbowman who is one of the uh early like researchers and spearheads like of using uh role play as a form of therapy talks about this concept of bleed which um i will say i'm not a fan of the term because it's a weird thing to write kind of a graphic term yeah yeah it's like we (laughs) we had so much bleeding tonight it was amazing (laughs) uh, it it just sounds terrible (laughs) like i was trying to push make a push for emotional permeability because even though it's a more wordy way of saying it i think it's a little bit better to use especially talking to parents um
1: yeah, I, I also can't imagine that progress note too. Bleed yeah. was noticed during oh. this session.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like this just doesn't. I don't know really... how well
1: that worked over. Oh, I made yeah. sure not have a good time with that one.
3: <laughs> yeah. So the the essential the idea is so uh, bleed in is where your stuff as a player goes into the character, and bleed out is where stuff from the character comes to you. So mm-hmm. they're using the term bleed like ink bleeding on a piece of paper, right?
2: Yeah.
3: Um, but still, like just. Again, the process note stuff would be bad, but that, that certainly is what happens. Right. And um, this is where, like, when it, this, uh, the thing I really, really, really want to see research on aside from everything around D and D is um, how we make D memories, because when you're talking about the things your character did in a game you don't use the terms like, do you remember that time when our characters were going across that bridge and we had to face that troll and then we decided to trick them with the thing from Monty Python, right? It's, we do you remember that time we went across that bridge and we met that, troll?" right? It, it, we use the first person, right? Yeah. And so it's really interesting. So that means like that those memories feel more real to us, that we are really connected in that way. And so like these, like the player I was talking about earlier, like that was um, a bleed in, right? Where the emotions from her character kind of came into the person, and the person was really able to take that on and be like, "Oh, crap!" And I didn't see this, right? And um, definitely seen this where I've players who've had just a super bad day, and they're all of a sudden their character is really aggressive, and it's like, "What's going on here?" You. How's right. the player do it? It's like, player had a bad day. Alright, cool, we're just going to go into combat. Like we're just... You know, yeah. you y'all jump right just, into it. Yep, yeah, if y'all just need to an excuse to go kill something, here's a bunch of animated suits of armor. You don't have to feel bad.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> just have And some the D20 is rolled. Random like, encounter 122. Let's go. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yep, like, going go. into Doom
2: and putting in all the cheat modes and...
3: Yeah, Just right. having blessed. Yeah, so the, you definitely see that. And, like, this one of the reasons i've started asking the clients to tell me what their goal for the character is is because it gives them the autonomy it gives them the control right they are the ones now who get to have the say in what is okay to grow in right so like if you've got a player who say has a lot of trauma history and you know they need to process and work on their trauma and you try to have that happen in the game and they're not ready for it, they're going to steer away from it every time. But if you ask that player, what is your goal for your character? And they maybe say like that first stage of like, I want to learn to trust people. Okay. That's what we're going to work on. Rather than trying to directly address the trauma, let's start where you're ready to start. And we start Mm -hmm. giving those opportunities for growth. And then that's where the, the growth happens. And then as they move through it, we might get to that stuff. Um. But, like, yeah. I, I think the thing that is so, again, consent, consent, consent. And yes. when we are asking our players how they want to see their characters grow, that's them giving consent. And so, like, and I I'll even sometimes very explicitly say, like, okay, so what you're telling me is, like, you're giving me permission as a dungeon master to put these kinds of opportunities before your character. And I just want to make sure that's what you want. Yes. All right. We got this.
1: Yeah. I hope that answers nice. your question. Yes. absolutely and 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 again it's meeting like just like you said it's meeting the it's meeting the person where they are yes right you're not gonna you're not gonna dive in to uh okay session one here's your trauma go no (laughs) first of all it's just ethically kind of wrong in a sense too but but again it's more so like okay you're focused on You know, whether it's trust or whether it's um, my brain is blanking because it's 11 o'clock and I've been looking at houses all day. Um, (laughs) uh, um, We'll stick with trust because my brain's not there today. Yeah. Uh, Again, it's like I love it. I I really do because this is just another avenue, another creative space to be able to provide that that therapeutic um, skill to somebody mm-hmm. else. And I think for, and I'm going to use this word for us, right? This is something that we love. This yeah. is tabletop is it, the fact that we can do something that we love, but benefit other people. I think that just in and of itself gives a sense of pride to us as a therapist in a way.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I think like, that's one of the things where when I had that little aha moment with D D like, it wasn't a question of, huh, should I use this as a therapeutic tool? It was, oh, my God, I have to use this as a therapeutic tool. Like, this is too right. powerful. Mm-hmm. This is good. This this is amazing. Like, this is a person-growing machine built into a game that's super fun. Like, Yeah, the, of course I'm going to use this therapeutically.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's It wasn't a matter of how. It was a matter of when. When is yes. this right. happening? <laughs>
0: was a very wonderful conversation about all the different facets utilizing D&D in, in therapy sessions and allowing your characters and the person to project through their character. Outside of that, I mean, um, is the training course open to the public, to non-professionals?
3: Um, I believe it's open to students who are becoming um, therapists. I I want to say, I believe there is a track for non-professionals. Like we've got a, um, for the certification in geek therapeutics and being a mm-hmm. culturally competent geek therapist, there is a, um, I'm forgetting what the name of the certification is, but it's for non-licensed folks who are, but still mostly in the mental health field because it's, it is right. what it means. Uh, but yeah, I think a lot of that think almost anybody can take the training but don't, please don't quote me on that i may be wrong on that <laughs> double check with the, you know on on there but there's all yeah the training is just it's top tier i really i'm super duper proud of it it was a lot of hard work but um and, and like i i feel the need to to say like it's not we're not the only training program out there there's others too that are going on and we're all different and we all focus on different things and like there's pl- it's it, this wonderful thing because um We've done as much as we can to try to foster good relationships between all of us. Like that's why my players are all uh, on clinical role are all, uh, you know, running different their own centers where they use tabletop gaming and stuff. And so it's so cool to see all of us like existing and excelling together and working together. And it's just it is phenomenal to see the different things out there.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll, we'll look into a few, few other options too, in case any yeah. non-professionals are interested in going you know, down this pathway to kind of uh, incorporate some of these sort of uh, facets into their own campaigns yeah. and stuff like that.
3: For people who are non-professionals, not to be self-serving, but I really would encourage you to check out my uh, psychology at the table stream on geeks like us's YouTube. I, uh, if, it's a great kind of just way to talk about how to help your players out and without mm-hmm. being a therapist. This idea of like, okay, I've got, you know, so and so at my table who's really anxious. How do I help decrease their anxiety? Or this person has told me they have a, you know, a mathematics disorder. Like, you know, what does that mean? How how do I help them in, in this game where we do a ton of math? What what's a better way yeah. to help them out? Um yeah, I did an interview with Satine Phoenix and talked about her uh, history of brain injury and how that impacted her ability to play uh, and to engage with the game. Um, so the, just lots of different resources on there for just learning a little bit about, you know, just sort of basics of psychology and basics of how to be a good supportive friend. You know, cause I think one of the things we say is like, okay, there's, I want anybody to be t- at my table. I want to be welcoming, but what does that look like? What does being a supportive friend of somebody who has really bad PTSD look like at the gaming table? And how do you, you know, have that line between I'm your friend, not your therapist, but I want to be here for you. And I don't want your mental health to be a reason that you alienate yourself from us. Uh, Mm -hmm. And So that's, I think, a really great resource as well.
0: That's fantastic. And I put that in the chat, too, for anybody to check out as well. And we'll put it in our show notes as well for anybody to check out later on. So. Absolutely. When you're done listening, you hear that and you're interested. Scroll down in the show
1: notes. and I will have the link for you. I think. I think I, go ahead, um, Matt. Just yeah, just to talk, I mean the. I think the most bare basic as well too is have that session zero. Have that session zero be as open as obviously as as a person feels comfortable being, but I think a DM does have a a little bit of a responsibility just to be like, hey. If something I say does not track well, if something that we're doing within the campaign does not track well, again, the X card right there. I've told I've told some players of mine, like just DM me. Like DM me just a letter and I'll be like, all right, let's take a five minute break, just so that way you can catch your breath. Or just so just so that way if we need to talk, we talk. Just so that way it makes it open and available as much as possible. You know, I've said it, I I, I don't think anybody is expecting somebody who's a DM in a non-professional setting to be a therapist at that mm. point. It's really just about that openness, that that inclusivity and just listening and being able to adapt on the fly a little bit too. Like, okay, this doesn't track. Cool. So we'll Xna that. I know to Xnay that for the future. Let's just go here instead.
3: <laughs> yep.
0: You
1: know, And if it does derail a game, that's okay. Just get a book of random encounters and go. yes
3: or like one of my favorite things the deck of wonder from gem hammer and sons this this is so much fun like it's a (laughs) hundred random things that can happen in your game and it is brings delight to all of my games i make sure my players always have a way to pull from this deck
0: do a plug for us for that you mentioned before we were recording about that
3: sons they make uh they do more better game stuff is their thing but the deck of wonder this is cards that just are random so um you know i mentioned that in the beginning i used to be an over planner and so (laughs) i kind of decided to do sort of uh exposure therapy for myself of like okay i'm going to completely surrender control and i'm going to just lean into chaos and so i gave my players the ability to pull from this deck and so things happen like you cast wish it's a card gets pulled or we've got uh you summon a random god to your aid (laughs) Oh. Um, and i I did this because like i needed I knew I needed to be able to think on my feet better. I wanted to be able to let go of control of the game, and this has made the game so much better like um in my Monday stream game, actually, this was a card that got pulled of you you know you get a help from a random god, and like uh, I ended up having one of the players visit Paylor who is sort of central oh. to this whole yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. and it was sort of funny because i was like oh i'm going to use this for a little bit of an expedition dump to kind of help the guide the players along uh, as to what's going on and the mm-hmm. players like i thought i was supposed to get the help of this god and i was like uh the god touches your shoulder and all of your muscles and because it's the barbarian character and so mm-hmm. now this players walking around going i got a massage from paylor
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh right? yes that's great that it's fantastic
3: yeah, so that that's a resource that I, I, I highly encourage people to use. It's so much fun, and like learning to let go of control in that way, I think is just so powerful.
0: I'm reading oh, some um. of these cards, and some of them, like you mentioned, and then there's another one here that caught my eye: the entire party is now on fire. Yeah. Stop, drop, and roll a saving throw.
3: Yes, <laughs> you gotta yes. be
2: kidding me!
3: <laughs> yeah, it sounds it- like
2: a wild magic table.
3: It really is. It it is, and I think it's like way better. So much fun. It it is a blast, and like I I think that's something too. Is if you are a DM and like you're kind of panicky to things, lean into the things that scare you. You know, something that I've learned also in act is like the again, the voices in our head are quiet when we're in our safe zone, but when we're in our safe zone, we're not growing and we are not developing. So we got to find stuff that scares us a little bit and lean into it. And so for me, improv was the thing that scared me. And so I leaned into it heavy. And I'm so glad I did. Because that is such a helpful tool.
0: That is fantastic. Is. Now, uh, you also mentioned too, we're, we're at the end of our show. And uh, before we sign off, you did no. mention that you knew some really great kickstarters and oh, things like that
3: yeah <laughs>
0: feel free to share some of those with our listeners and everybody so they can go check it out and for myself as well <laughs>
3: yeah okay so i am dr megan and i have a kickstarter problem um <laughs> but i adore all the kickstarters hi like,
1: dr megan yeah, no, yeah.
3: <laughs> I, oh my gosh but i i love it no um If you're looking for good stuff for a one shot, there's this one that it's a done Kickstarter. You can buy this stuff now. It's called the Story Engine. Um, for the podcast people, this is great. I'm holding up the box. It doesn't help. It's it's cards (laughs) though that build random. It's basically builds a random story. It's a story generator. It gives you a person, so sort of your antagonist, or and then something that they you know an idea of something they're motivated towards what they want and then the foil like the the consequence of what they want and it gives you this ability to put a thing of like it's cursed or they're a defiant type person or they're um greedy or whatever and so it's a great like seed for a story to Mm. to tell um and to go around that uh those who are not familiar with the wango wango oh gosh i might be saying that wrong um The Wango Chronicles. It was a Kickstarter successful uh, several months ago. Um, It's a supplement for 5e, but they are also turning it into an MMORPG um, where it's all based on African lore. And it's building in... um, So it's taking the classes for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, but putting all of the lore behind uh, traditional African myths and legends and the African pantheon in there. And so it's Fascinating! Is one of the art is fantastic. Like the Wagadu. <laughs> Wagadu, yes. Wag Wagandu, I think is how you pronounce it. We got, uh, we got do. Wagandu. Wagandu. Yes. Got
0: so many different expansions for it already.
3: Yeah, it's it's circuits and
0: cybernetics, too. Oh, my gosh.
3: I got to do as part of the training, like I actually did an interview with um, Ellen, um, I'm blanking on his last name and Jennifer Krinster for talking about diversity and issues of diversity and inclusivity in gaming. And it was just so Mm -hmm. phenomenal to sit down and talk with him and how passionate he is about this. And like the fact that so, so little has been done to bring in this really amazingly rich culture uh, that is all you know throughout africa into gaming you know we've we're oversaturated with european myths um and like Mm. we're now finally getting some mythology from other cultures which is so so wonderful um this one's not a kickstarter but this was on uh indiegogo but now is going to be through uh, sorry it used to be the deck of many they just rebranded and i can't recall what they rebranded to (laughs)
1: Um, oh, I didn't even know they rebranded,
3: yeah they could be because they do more than decks now, so they rebranded to i think Hit point press so Hit point press uh it's the Santa una and that's a um it's based on Filipino mythology, mm. and Ooh. so you've, so all of that and again, artwork phenomenal in that that book that will be coming out soon uh and then oh. um. Yeah, there there are so many really good ones out there.
2: These are the guys that do Humblewood. Yes.
3: yes. Oh, and if you have not seen Humblewood, oh my god. There's a Go great check that there's out. a great
2: actual play podcast that, that that's in the Humblewood setting if you want to check it out too.
3: Yeah, it it's so good. Like
2: I can share it to anyone who wants it.
3: Yeah, yeah, Humblewood is so 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 These cute. are so
2: co- I love this play.
3: Well, and another couple of ones that I've gotten that I'm really looking forward to utilizing more in gaming, um, because I use other board games as well with Mm -hmm. my clients. Um, There's a party game called Growl that is a lot of fun. It's a werewolf game.
0: Ooh, Um, cool. There's an
3: expansion to that. It's super fun. Like The the thing I love about Growl is at the end, if you're a human, you stand up and you cheer. If you're a werewolf, (laughs) you howl. And so ah. if anybody cheers, the werewolf's lost. But hopefully, if you're a werewolf, you've turned everybody at the table into a werewolf. And so everybody's howling.
2: Oh my God.
3: It's That's super, super fun. It's a great kind of icebreaker game, too, because yeah, it, it, I, I hate icebreaker games. So like just getting people down to sit and play. Um, another super fun just kind of game to get people talking and laughing with each other is called Sparkle Kitty.
0: Yes, oh. I've heard of that.
3: That one is it's phenomenal. A <laughs> Yeah, it, you're a princess <laughs> in a tower and you have to lay down sp- words and so you say things like, monster cupcake.
2: <laughs> oh my god.
3: And this is just, you're saying right. ri- ridiculous words and you can add dark magic to it where you get to be like, ultra sparkle kitty or ultra, you know, puffy unicorn. <laughs> I saw
0: this at PAX.
3: <laughs> yes, it is so much fun. I've actually like, I built a D&D encounter where like they they encountered Loki And so Loki made them play that game, (gasps) ah, which they were like, this is ridiculous, but they all had a lot of fun with it. It was really funny. Um, Yes. Those are a few that I really, really like. I'm really getting Monty Cook's uh, poultice, which I'm looking forward to because Hmm. I hate building cities (laughs) and it's a 200 page tome about a city where like everything in that city is planned out. So I am super excited about that. Yeah.
1: I might need that too.
3: <laughs> yeah. It, it's really funny. Like I hate cities and yet I always seem to end up like being like, okay, so the players need to go to this city. And I'm like, and now I have to plan another city. Right? <laughs> Why do I do this to myself? <laughs> My
1: goodness! Why can't every adventure just happen on the road? <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. Like, here's a tavern randomly in the woods. No, it, it it's the Fluffy Duckling Tavern. That's all you need to know. Everything's gonna happen around there.
2: <laughs> right. I, I don't have enough shelf space for all these games.
3: Yeah. The, well, oh, there's.
1: Guess you got to build a shelf.
3: Yep. Yeah. It, there's a bunch that are coming out that I'm so excited about like super cool. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of good ones. Um, another one that I kickstarted, I actually got to play test this uh, Gen Con is uh, build a cure uh, where a nuclear apocalypse has happened and you are with some scientists down in a bunker, but you, there were um, vials of different diseases And each of you got exposed to something different. And so you have to build the chemical makeup of the cure for the disease for everybody um, so that you can get out of the bunker to go and um, help everybody. So it's...
1: I'm looking this up right now because that sounds interesting.
3: That one's really cool. And like the... um, chemical compounds that you make are at the actual chemical compounds needed for the cure for the different disease that you have. It um, sounds
0: very similar to a game I've played called, uh, I think it's called plague. It's a mobile game.
3: Oh, you play ink. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, where you have to like make the cure. And yep. if you're going too slow it, you know, it, you can see when you're, you first mix it, you're starting to cure countries and then, they start to be immune to mutating.
3: Yeah. It's very funny when COVID-19 first started coming out, like I was very thankful I had played a lot of Plague Inc.
2: Yeah. I have people
3: that in my office are like, this isn't such a big deal. I'm like, have you all ever played Plague Inc? Like, no, (laughs) no. I'm like, no, this is all bad. Like what's going on? It's bad.
2: (laughs) We actually, I remember us talking about that when it all started and how the downloads for that game shot through the roof. When the pandemic started, the
3: headlines early on on were like. So, those who have not played Plague Inc. It's really fun, Um, but one of the things that you have is you're designing a plague and you're trying to wipe out the humanity. It's a little depressing. They have made an expansion now where you actually fight, try to make the cure for the plague, which is nice. Um, But there's a scroller across the top that is all the headlines that are happening in the world, and those headlines kind of let you know how well you're doing with your disease. And like one of the big things is if you can get your disease to be a certain amount of like you want it to be contagious, but not to have symptoms um, by the time the Olympics happen, because if the Olympics happen, it's a super spreader event and you're almost guaranteed to win. But if the Olympics in Brazil get canceled, you have a really hard time winning the game
0: tell you what yeah first time i played it my father got me to play it and uh he's a big gamer and i was playing i'm like this is this is easy you're playing and you're you have <laughs> three quarters of the world taken over and you're like this is you know this is and then all of a sudden you see a country pop up that has a cure that's yes. testing you, and you're like it's trying to squash what? it and you're sitting there like mashing like no 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 <laughs> no, no and all of a sudden the can't. world it's like i'm done with this game no nope. <laughs> I couldn't. You it 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 got me so many times where I thought I was going to win, and then all of a sudden the cure comes out and it it beats me back. But no, it is a really fun game.
3: It is, And, and like that's one of the things too of like to get back to like adults playing games. Like that game really did give me a different perspective on this whole pandemic and understanding like no, we when people are saying stay home, you need to stay home. Oh yeah. And like that just, yeah, it's a silly little mobile game, but man, that makes a big difference is understanding like, okay, no, we need to do this. Like this, this needs to happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was awesome. Is there any other Kickstarter? I know uh, we could sit here all oh, night and talk. About I could sit here all night.
3: Yeah. No. i I'll, <laughs> I'll give. I'm gonna give plugs to just a couple more. So one sure. one game as uh, Villagers. If it's by Sinister Fish Games. If you haven't played that one, I love that game. I don't even know how to describe it. It is card based. It's sort of a worker recruitment deck buildy type game. Um, once you figure it out, though, it only takes about 15 minutes to play. And it is super hmm. fun. And uh, I love the, f- like, it's one of those things I've become fascinated by game packaging. And the packaging of okay. that I game is great. And it makes sense. And it is, just looks beautiful. And it's really fun to play. And then they just came out with a new game called Streets that is uh, very similar to Villagers, but is more um, modern, takes place in, like, a city, city, cityscape. So.
1: Very nice. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So I think, I think that does bring us to the end, unfortunately. Uh, but Dr. Megan, please plug, plug your stuff now. Yeah, Plug yourself. Well, <laughs> Where can I people mean- find you?
3: If you're interested in becoming a therapeutic dungeon master, please, please, please check out the course I helped develop at Leyland Geek Therapeutics. It's great. We go into ethics. We go into advertising. We go into session planning. We go into how to utilize digital resources. Um, and you get to play. It is seriously is the course I really wish I had had when I started all this. Um, it, it is super amazing. Uh, also, I do a lot of stuff with my company geeks like us. Like I said, I do, um, the live play show clinical role where we play D and D we're going to, we're in our final arc of that campaign, which I'm super excited about and interested to see how the uh, party ends up handling their final battles and everything like that. Uh, I also do the brain noodles podcast where we talk gaming and all kinds of other just random things that are on our brains. I host our happy hour every now and then I have my show uh, psychology at the table. And then I do um, Minecraft Mondays. We have a Minecraft uh, realm for our, uh, for our Patreons and our Twitch subscribers. And we just get on there every now and then and just play. Uh, One of our community members has built a big game of battleship that we're going to be playing next Monday. Oh, so I'm really excited to see how we end up doing that. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. You got
0: one coming up on uh, the book club too. Yes. Right? And
3: the book club. Oh, I'm so excited about the book. Yeah. We just launched the book club, but we're going to be talking about ready player two next Thursday, April 1st. Uh, yes. Read that book. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you have not finished the book yet, uh, and don't think you're going to finish it before the book club, still tune in. I am my co hosts, I have given them a strict thing of like, we are not spoiling the last couple chapters of the book. Like, we're going to talk everything oh. up to the last couple chapters. Uh, but we have a Geeks Like Us Discord where we all are. And then after we finish up the live stream, we're going to pop into the Discord and then we will talk about the last couple chapters. Because I want to <laughs> talk the last couple chapters to a bunch of people. I too. will be there. Because <laughs> there's lots of good stuff in that book. And I like, um, I'm really excited because my co-founder, uh, Dr. Ryan Kelly, he's much more into the neuroscience side of psychology than I am. And so I really want to dive into a lot of the neuros, like what he thinks of the neuroscience um, in the sci-fi book. So it'll be really exciting.
1: Yes.
0: Yes, yeah, it's awesome. going to be a blast and I can't wait. And when I saw the conversation a couple of weeks ago with everybody uh, in the uh, Geek Therapeutics server talking about it in the pop culture section and yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. There's a rare player too. I didn't know that the book was out and I instantly got it and I devoured it. And I'm like, well, as soon as I finished, I'm like, is anybody talking about it? Is anybody talking about it? it yeah. That was
3: my thing is like, <laughs> I just wanted to talk about it. And like, I was like, I, I have this community. Let's be a book club. Come on. Yeah. We're all nerds. We like to um, read. <laughs>
2: yeah. Let's
3: do this. I'm going to so,
2: put down my horror podcast and actually listen, read that now.
3: <laughs>
2: it's, it's pretty
0: good and good. I'm really curious. You brought up a point with talking about the, the neuroscience part of it mm-hmm. and I'm so so interested to get Dr. Kelly's take on it and everything what his thoughts are on it are because it goes really in depth and it's just a conversation i'm really looking forward to um yeah. that's awesome
3: yeah i mean like for those who as like have read ready player one i think ready player one was like this big like love letter to the 80s and nostalgia mm-hmm. stuff, and like that certainly is in ready player two but i don't feel like that that's not the bulk of it like ready player two really is more of the game the game and the problems like all this stuff so check it out it's really good yep and if you agree. are an audiobook person like me, both Ready Player One and Ready Player Two are narrated by Will Wheaton. Who yes.
0: Is
2: the oh, I'm so glad I'm up.
0: Yeah, he does he's a the great perfect job. Perfect
3: narrator for those books.
0: <laughs> he does a wonderful job for it. Absolutely. Well, fantastic, Matt. You want to bring us out the rest of the way? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm just buying stuff from all the Kickstarters. <laughs> so
1: if you hear a lot of notifications going off, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> we really are going to have to start king uh, kickstarter uh, anonymous aren't we this yes. is what's going to happen now all yeah.
3: right
1: <laughs> i'll lead it anyway thank you all for listening to the guardians mental health podcast uh if you can please leave us a review on itunes podbean or wherever you listen to your podcast it helps spread the podcast to others who may not have uh heard of us uh uh, I just included really quick. We want to give a huge shout out to a couple of Twitch streamers who have recently uh, did a fundraiser for us uh, first goes out to, and I'm, if I pronounce the name wrong, I'm sorry, Damon, uh who recently raised money for us. Please check him out at twitch.tv slash D a H M I N. Also a shout out to at K lightning who did a sh- uh, fundraiser for us today. Their Twitch is twitch.tv slash K-A-Y Lightning. Thank you very much for helping and supporting our mission. Um, please cont- uh, keep up to date with everything we are doing over at guardiansmh.org. Follow us on Twitter at guardiansmh. Join our partner Discord server, discord.gg slash guardiansmh, where we provide peer support, mental health resources, and we're just a really chill community. Um, please also find us on tiltify uh, if you are able to donate to our nonprofit tiltify.com slash guardiansmh as well as our patreon for our um, mental health kit initiative that's yes. patreon.com slash guardians mental health uh, mental health kits or our coffee at coffee.com slash guardians MH. last but not least if you're looking for some and I'm just gonna do this every podcast now some lit fire flame merch. Go to bonfire.com slash store slash guardians MH. And I'm going to get made fun of for all of that I just said there. I'm sorry. It's what the kids are doing. All right. I'll stop. You really anyway, went right into it. I love it. Just, I yep. yep. I, I did. Props. You I, did. Yep. I did. And I, I'm getting to the point now where some of my clients are are making fun of me, where I'm starting to try to use some of the lingo. I literally God. had a client like, like, don't. It's okay. You don't have to. I was like, but... I'm not that old. <laughs> it's like my, what is my?
0: What was my daughter? She was calling. So that's not swag, Dad. What is that? Um, is that like fetch? Like is that? No,
1: That's just coming back. I'm bringing fetch back. No. By the way, no. it's if nobody.
0: If nobody gets that reference, at least one person did because. <laughs> I, I, I watched. I'll admit it. I watched Mean Girls, and I,
1: I've watched it multiple times. It's a fantastic movie. <laughs> Are we trying to pretend like it's not a good movie? No, <laughs> no, nope, nope, absolutely not. I'm owning it. Oh, it's the it's it's. Oh. We're getting close, to, like the midnight Alan's. where we. Uh, yeah, oh. Alan's losing it. But <laughs> losing
2: it.
0: Two other things that that I want to bring up before we sign off. Uh, if you're interested in getting some dice, we do have our own dice that just came in. They are beautiful.
1: Uh, It's not really
0: going to show very well, but we could put a link into the thing. We have full sets or just one D20. And the great thing with the dice are they are not for profit. What they are, if you get a dice, you provide a mental health kit for somebody. So all of the proceeds that go into it go right into our mental health kit program. And you, by buying even just one die, one D20, uh, you provide a mental health kit for somebody. So you get something, you give something at the same time. It's a great thing. And then also yes. uh, starting uh, in the next two weeks or so, I got to finish wrapping up a few things, but our mental health kits are now going international, which is so fantastic. I'm so happy for this and so excited. So uh, every all of our friends and community members and anybody that might be interested in getting some more resources and sensory items and one of our mental health kits feel free to request one on our website you'll find links there and you'll find links at the bottom of in our bio uh while listening to this podcast uh request a mental health kit and if you live in the uk eu canada your kit will be sent out very shortly
3: that's awesome
0: yes yes fantastic yep and that's all i got and uh Thank nope, you so much, like. Doc, so much for <laughs> coming on and chatting with us. It was such a great conversation. I can't thank you yes. enough.
3: Thank you. I can, I can you check it off me. my
0: my bucket list now. If I saw <laughs> you invention before before we, we were able to talk like this, I probably would have been like that shy guy in the corner, like kind of oh. like pretending to be busy because I'm too nervous to say hi to you. You but, shy?
3: <laughs>
0: I know, I know. Yeah. You know, That's
3: how I am. Like I uh, I got a chance to meet Matt Colville at, at a convention, but like we mm-hmm. finished up, and I was with Dr. Kelly, and I was like, "That was so, I was just very like oh, that was so cool," and he was like, "Did you even <laughs> tell him your name?"
1: I was like, oh, <laughs> "I forgot." <laughs> no, yeah. I'm I'm just very happy that I got to nerd out both on psych psychology with you but also as far as like D and stuff like that goes i thank you so much this was an amazing amazing conversation and please feel free to come back we can no, do this all I'll, over again <laughs> i'd be happy to absolutely fantastic all righty all right everybody
0: thank you so much for tuning in hanging out with us tonight have a great night, night. Uh,